seated. Liz Murray was born in New York in 1980. I don't expect that many of you or any of you would know her name. She certainly wasn't famous in any way when she was born in 1980. She ended up working hard and graduating the top of her class in high school and went on to attend Harvard as well as Columbia University. In 2009, she began working on her doctorate. She's graduated from Columbia with multiple counseling degrees from Columbia and and other places as well. And when you look at her high school and then her collegiate education and the career that she's had, by any standard, this is what you'd say if you're just being an an objective observer and without any bias, and I don't, I don't know anything about her personally except the research that I did and was able to find. She's done some amazing things with her, with her academic and her professional career. And, and I can say this, she's accomplished academically far more than I could ever hope to. So whether or not you're impressed with it, getting into Harvard is very impressive. Um, uh, I remember when I was doing uh, my ACT, you know how you did that in 11th, 12th grade, and then you would, you would send your scores off to different colleges hoping to get in? Well, I've always, I've always been drawn because of my parents and then other relatives, several family members, including my parents being in the military, and wrestling between ministry and military, and I wanted to see what my options were with the military, so I... I had my score sent to Virginia Military Institute, and uh, I got a letter back that basically said, you're not welcome here, and, and so they, they had a very specific window through which I had to fit, and you're like, well, you look like you could fit through any window. Apparently not that window. Now, I didn't stay there academically. I mean, God dealt with me and, and then tried to finish high school well, and then when I knew I was supposed to be in ministry, took my ministry training and the college training that I've had for that, took that very seriously. But I'm impressed with someone like Liz Murray. And academically, without knowing her, without knowing very much about her at all personally or anything really personally, I'm, I would say that what she did just with the information I've given you is amazing. God was doing some amazing things in Matthew chapter 1. Oh, I know, I know you know the story, but it's still amazing. You know the hymn we sing, Tell Me the Old, Old Story? Look, it, I, don't, I, 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 love, I love the song, and I understand our, the way we process time. We call it the old, old story, but it's the timeless story. Amen. This story was written. Before the foundation of the world. Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. I mean, this is amazing. God gave us free will, knowing that we would rebel, knowing that we would sin, knowing what it would cost him. And he still chose to create us, to have a relationship with us. And then he fulfilled the purpose of redemption. And the story of redemption isn't confined to a time. It is the story of God. It is the story of our entire existence from beginning and throughout eternity. And when we stand in heaven, in everything that that's going to be like, we will still be celebrating our Savior. 
There will not be a moment from the time you get saved and then into the ages of eternity which cannot be measured. There will not be a time when you will not be excited about nor impressed with who Jesus is and what he has done for you. He's doing amazing things. He was going to interrupt a sinful world. He was going to make war with darkness. He was going to make war with our adversary. We who were held captive, we who were oppressed, we who were in bondage, we who were broken, we who were lost and condemned and could not save ourselves. He came and he made war and he brought us up out of the miry clay. He set our feet upon a rock. He established our goings and where there was no way, he made a way. No, 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 you got to get it. He didn't just show us, oh wait, there's an option you didn't consider. There was no way. But he made a way that no one else could for us to know God. It's amazing. God, the eternal God, through the work of the Holy Ghost, is going to enter a virgin's womb. Biologically impossible. Never heard of throughout the history of humanity. And yet God, God did it. No, the Son of God existed before this moment. Because he's God and he's always existed. But in that moment, according to the perfect will of God, God the Son entered the womb of Mary as a virgin and, and this is just a minor detail, but it's something significant. She remained a virgin throughout that entire process that he was in her womb and until he was born. So that that reputation and that knowledge of him could be perfectly preserved. And then he was born. He lived in a wicked world. A sinless Life. No, it's amazing. Have you ever thought about how easy it is for you to sin without even trying to? No, no, I'm, ser- I'm serious about that. No, look, let's, let's be honest. We all have those moments when we sin because our hearts are hard and we're just, we just want something. And whether it's anger or it's lust or it's frustration or it's covetousness or whatever it is, we, just, we do things that we know are wrong. You know what I'm talking about. But we live in a world that is inundated with perversion and wickedness and filth. And it is so easy to misstep and not even know that we misstepped. We wake up just wanting to serve God, wanting to do the right thing, wanting to love Him, but just maybe being a little too careless or casual or not even thinking we can step into something that when we remove ourselves and objectively look at it, we think, I never would have done that on purpose if I had been thinking straight. And that's just a statement to how amazing it is that He went through His entire life unscathed by sin. Perfect. Completely flawless. And then he took your guilt. I'll just talk about the men that were up here. Brother Max has given great testimony about God's grace in his life. Brother Theovi has told his stories 
to our church, to our youth. Brother Marcus has shared many evidences of the grace of God in his life. I am guilty and broken as any human that has ever lived. And on that cross, Jesus took his guilt and his guilt and his guilt and my guilt and your guilt and anything that you could ever be guilty of. He made eternal sufficient sacrifice for it. We don't condone sin. But we do lift up an amazing Savior who has grace for any sinner that's willing to humble themselves before him. He did not come to condemn. He came to save. Now I'll say it again. He didn't come to condemn. He came to save. And whether it's the woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well, and I can hear people's voices saying, yeah, but those were things that happened before they got saved. I've been thinking about this this week. Let me remind you of Peter who walked on the water, who saw him feed the thousands, who witnessed him heal and cast out demons and make people whole. And then at the critical moment, in spite of his own self-affirming declarations, he not only failed Jesus, but he shamefully denied him and cursed in order to separate himself from him so that a lost world would think he didn't even know him. And even him, Jesus didn't cast aside. We will not be a church that casts people aside. We deal with things and confront things. But Jesus, he is all about forgiving and restoring and reconciling people unto himself. And then, Brother Brian Johnson, he arose again. I'm just glad. Brother Kane, I know your wife plays beautifully, but the reason she has a reason is because he arose. Thankful for it. You know what it is? It's amazing. So you know what that means? You can be saved. It's not my news to tell. I just, I'm, I'm going to generally mention it. Somebody, somebody else got saved, I, I think, either on Sunday or on Tuesday. It was wonderful. I just, I just love it. Whether it's someone that's very, very less young because we don't say old, or someone that is in all actuality very, very young, God is all about saving people. While they get saved, what they do? They believed in Jesus, who he is, and what he does, and they trusted in him, and the moment they trusted in him, he gives eternal life. That is amazing. Have you ever been in the middle of something, and then it just hits you? It's so good. It's so good. And then it hits you. This is really happening to me. Have you ever been there? I'm not, I'm not saying all of your life has lived there. Obviously not. Man, I, one of the most significant things to me is when, when Andrea, Andrea said, I do. And man, I, I, I'm, I'm shameless about this. My father-in-law is about 6'2", weighs about, I don't know, whatever 6'2 guys that are like two and a half times my size weigh. 
just a big dude, and he's walking my beautiful bride down the aisle, and she is beaming, and he is bawling. Man, the biggest flex on him that I've ever had in my life. Let's go. I, look, I know I'm an emotional guy. I was very emotional, but there weren't tears. I was just doing cartwheels. There were no nerves. Guys talk about being nervous on their wedding day. Not me, homie. I'm like, get that woman down here so I can kiss her face, hallelujah. And you're going to have to sit there, and you can't do anything about it, amen. This is really happening for me. Man, Alexandra sitting back here, she turned 20 this year. I remember when she was born, like it was yesterday. People were like, you're too young to have kids. Oh, well. <laughs> Holding that beautiful little girl with those crooked, crippled feet. Born with these, thankfully, minor handicaps, require surgeries and cast. And yet I don't see those crooked feet. I just see those eyes. Just hold her. Look at her. As with all of my children, this is, this is really happening. I pull up here on a Sunday morning. I'm tired on a Sunday night. But when everybody's gone, I'll sit behind the church. I'll just sit there. God, you let me pastor these people. It's, it's amazing. And I sit in there, and I'm just, I'm just being transparent with you. I just, it's, it's amazing that I get to be a part of your lives in this way. You know what's more amazing than any of it? That Jesus came to you. You, you are or you can be a child of God. And it's not something that you do. It's something that you accept. You believe him and you trust in him. It's really amazing. But then we got to notice this. The amazing. You think this is going to be awesome. It's amazing. But the amazing was filled with adversity. I'm going to go through this quickly. You look at the life of Mary and Joseph in Matthew 1 and Luke chapter 1. You deal with the perception of a young woman being with child while it's known that she at least did not have a physical relationship with the man that she was espoused to. And the assumption is that she has been unfaithful. She has violated the vows of her union, of her commitment. You look at Joseph and the uncertainty and, and the inability to explain. I don't, God, I don't understand what's happening here. And this feels so wrong. And it feels so unfair. You move into Luke chapter 2. And, and after Joseph has taken her to officially take her as his wife. And yet physically they've not come together. And as the baby grows in her womb... And then at the right of just days or, or weeks before she's to be delivered, a heavy taxation by an indifferent, faraway Roman Caesar is declared. And they have to travel many miles. And then they arrive there and there's no room. And she is going into labor. And then she has to deliver her baby in basically a cutout 
um, of a cave, a dark and a cold place among cattle and other livestock that would be filled with germs. Even for that day, nothing ideal about that birth situation and her baby is wrapped in swaddling clothes. And we think of swaddling clothes, that just sounds so cozy and so romantic, but those would be the same kind of clothes that Jesus' body would have been wrapped in after he died. They were used to prepare a person's body for burial. And then you get into Matthew, Matthew chapter 2 and you see initially the wise men that come and you think this is amazing. People coming from afar to worship him, to honor him. But after, after making their way into Israel, they come into contact with Herod who proves to be a self-absorbed psychotic king who will stop at nothing to assure and entrench his own power. And he goes on a, on a bloody rage, killing every child. I believe that's two, every male child, that's two and under. And breaking into homes and slaughtering, ripping from their parents' arms and slaughtering innocent baby boys. And then you see Joseph being warned warned you've got to flee and go into Egypt and you've got to remain there in a foreign land away from your family until I tell you that you can come back and then he comes back but before he goes back to his home he hears that Herod's son reigns in his stead and so he stays in an area in, in Galilee and in Nazareth where Jesus is going to be known to have come from. You look at all of that and you say, man, what God with, did with redemption is amazing. But that sure was filled with a whole lot of adversity. Throughout Jesus' life, from the announcement of his conception until his resurrection, the adversity never stopped. Have you ever wondered when life was going to get easier? No, I'm serious. You know what the truth is? For those involved in the work of God specifically, for those who desire God to work in their lives, there can be seasons that are really good, but there are always going to be adversities. You know what's amazing about this adversity? It didn't stop the work of God from being accomplished. The adversity to God cannot stop God from doing the amazing. You remember Liz Murray? Paul Harvey, when he was alive, he had a radio show and he said, and now the rest of the story. And you fill in some blanks. Let me tell you what's amazing about Liz Murray. She was born to poor and drug-addicted parents in New York in 1980. And the reason they were poor is because of how prominent drugs were in their lives. She would go hungry without food for days. She gave testimony at times to just eating ice, chewing on ice so she would know what it felt like to eat food. When she was in her adolescence, she was taken by human protective services for about 35 days and then let go. At the age of nine, she started working at gas stations and supermarkets in order to make enough money for her family to have groceries. 
just after her 15th birthday, her mom died from AIDS and her father checked into a homeless shelter. And she, as a 15-year-old, either a freshman or a sophomore, was left homeless. She knew she had to make money somehow, so she started doing door-to-door sales. And because she understood that her survival depended on her work ethic, she broke every sales record that company had at the time, all while being a homeless high school student. Young people, young people, you don't have excuses. When she graduated in high school at the top of her class and was then accepted into Harvard, she did it as a working, homeless teenager. And everything that happened after didn't happen because she had no adversity. It happened because she would not let the adversity stop her from pursuing the amazing in her life. Oh no, get this. We got excuses for days for why stuff is too hard. Why God can't work. Why this won't happen. And we give up. We don't put forth honest effort. We don't pour ourselves into to the degree that we should. We stay home. We don't have a conversation. We hang on to an attitude. We complain about what other people have done. We look at our own failures and think that they're too significant for God. I don't know if this woman is even saved. I do know that God has established a universal principle that says you reap what you sow. And so whether a person is a child of God or not, there are some laws that he's implemented that even lost people benefit from them. And a godly work ethic, whether you attribute it to God or not, is one of those things. And you get out there and you work hard and you don't make excuses and you pour your life into doing the things that you should. You go from the home, you go from being a homeless teenager whose mom died of AIDS and whose father loved drugs more than he loved you. And then you work your way door to door and you don't let the fear of what people think about you stop you. And you study hard and you graduate at the top of your class over students who have warm beds and full bellies, and loving homes, and every day that you're alone, and every night that you're alone, you don't let the adversity stop you, and then one day, you're standing at a graduation at Harvard, and at Columbia. Why? Because adversity can't stop the amazing. You know what adversity does? It stops people from pursuing the amazing. We give up prematurely. You know who doesn't stop pursuing the amazing in your life? The same one who came. Like, no, 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 I've I've been through this relationship. No, this thing has happened to me. No, this sickness has happened to me. No, I had this diagnosis. No, the, the, the pastor failed this way or these people failed this way 
or, or this has happened to me, or I've had this problem at work, or I have this issue, or somebody, somebody bullied me, or I've had this go on, or I, or I have this learning disability, or I have whatever it is. Look at me. Can I just, parents, can I be honest with you? I have eight children, and none of them are the same academically. And I do not apply a pressure to my children that they all have to be the same academically. Here's the pressure I put on them. I don't care what challenges you have. You will not use your challenges as an excuse for not pursuing the very best that you can. And whether it's in ministry or in school or in work, you're going to pursue the amazing. Because God wants to do amazing things in your life. He is the God who is pursuing amazing work in your life this morning. Maybe you thought he's far from you. I'm telling you, he could not love you more. No, you might be far from him, but he's right here. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. He is in pursuit of the amazing work that only he can do in your life. Here's the challenge. There's going to be adversity. I believe, I believe God is doing amazing things at this church. Believe it. But I'm reminded every day. I've been reminded this week. I've been reminded this month. Amazing things don't happen without adversity. But the question is not, can God pursue and accomplish amazing things? The question is, will I humble myself and be faithful? Can I show you what Joseph did? Look at, look at back at Matthew chapter 1. Joseph doesn't understand. He's minded to put Mary away privately or privily. But this is what he does. He humbled himself when he did not understand. Okay, look, be honest. Be honest. Your wife has a baby that's been conceived by the Holy Ghost. She wasn't unfaithful. God just moved in her belly and put a baby there. Put God there as a baby. Okay, look, don't sit here in your piousness and say, yeah, I get that. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you know what that is? That's divine. That's the miraculous. That is something that only God can do. You know what Joseph did? He humbled himself even though he didn't understand it. Sometimes you have to humble yourself when you don't understand things. Sometimes you have to humble yourself when you don't understand why you have cancer. Or why your husband did what he did to you. Or your wife. Why your parents failed you. Why whatever the situation is, why this or that occurred. Sometimes you have to humble yourself when you don't understand. The next thing was Joseph in verse number 24. Then Joseph being raised from his sleep. What is the next word? Did, as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. You know what that's called? Obedience. We get so hung up on what we're unsure of or what we don't know or understand. And in moments, we can pay more attention to what we don't understand than what the word of God has clearly revealed. And can I tell you, there may be sometimes when God explains those things down the road, there may be long periods of uncertainty and not knowing. But don't miss what God has told you to do, which is right in front of your face. 
Obey him. Love him. Forgive. Invest. Care about people. Make the most of your life. If you're sick and dealing with illness, live today to the best of your ability. And while we pray for healing, and while we confront the reality of death, don't live so much in the future that you miss the beauty of the moments that you have right now. Has your heart been broken by what other people have done to you? Don't let the shadow of their bad deeds rob you of the light that God can bring into your life through other people. I'm telling you, there is a God who pursues the amazing for each one of his children. But you can't let the adversity make you give up. You can't let the adversity make you give up on each other. I'm not, I'm not going to become a sit on a bar stool in skinny jeans pastor, even if I am wearing this suit. (laughs) Can I just sit for a minute? I know I'm not perfect. And I have never pretended to be. When I know I've done wrong, from what I know every time, I've tried to make it right. And sometimes we can think whether it's a pastor or a parent or coworker man, God just can't work because of who that person is. Can I tell you, imperfect people have never prevented God from doing amazing things. And the same grace that I ask you for is the same grace that every day I try to extend as a pastor. Because what I can say, what, not what I can, what I do say about myself, if I'm being honest, is what I can say about every person in this room. We are imperfect people who serve an incredibly perfect and powerful God. And if we'll be faithful and obey, he will accomplish his amazing purpose in our lives. It won't always feel amazing, but we'll look back at it and we'll say, like Liz Murray, like the redemptive story. That's amazing. Here's what can happen. Number one, we can get discouraged. Can I ask you, can I ask you, I'm I'm wrapping this up. Can I ask you, to be honest, are you discouraged? I'm, I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you if you're about to lose it. I am asking you, are you discouraged? And maybe some of you are about to lose it. Are you bitter? Are you resentful about what the adversity is costing you? Are you on the verge of wanting to give up because of your own failure? 
or someone else's. I do not say this lightly. I do not say this lightly. Before the God that I minister to you on behalf of every week, by his help, I will not give up on pursuing his amazing purpose in your lives. I won't give up on it. But it's not easy. And I understand the impulse to want to just, it's not worth it. But can I encourage you with this? If God doesn't give up, you shouldn't give up. He loves you too much. God's amazing purpose can be accomplished through great adversity. Be faithful. You know why we can celebrate Christmas? Because of a faithful God, first and foremost, beginning and yes. But there were people like Joseph who awoke from a dream and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Brother Marcus is going to sing in just a minute after I pray. He'll start singing. As Mr. Cole is playing, I just, I want to ask you to con- consider a few things. Number one, do you know for sure that you've trusted in Jesus Christ? If you died right now, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? I know I haven't preached a gospel message. We talked about the gospel, but God's able to convict people. He can, he can help you understand if there's anyone here with every, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, is there anyone who would raise their hand and say, I'm not sure that I'm saved. If I died, I don't know for sure that I'd go to heaven, but I want to know, would you please pray for me? Would there be anyone that would raise their hand and say, that's me, I'm just, I'm not certain of that. Please pray for me. Nobody's gonna come to you. I'm not gonna call you out. I just wanna pray for you in a very generic way. God bless you for your honesty. Here's the second question. Are you experiencing adversity in your life? Maybe it's public. Maybe no one knows about it, but there's adversity in your life that's, that has proven to be a significant challenge to you. And it's more challenging than you thought it would be. And you say, Pastor, I believe God wants to do the amazing in my life, but I have encountered some adversity and, and maybe it's been going on for a while. Maybe it's just come to the forefront of my life, but I am struggling with some challenges internally in family relationships and other areas i have adversity in my life and i need god's help would you pray for me i wonder if there would be anyone who'd raise their hands and say that yep i see him going up yep all over the place god bless you for your honesty can i ask you two more questions just raise your hand if either one is true how many of you would say I have been discouraged by the adversity. Like, I want to give up. Thanks. Yep, it's a lot of you. How many of you would say, 
I have struggled to not become bitter because of the adversity. Yep, I, yep, I see him. I'll, yep. This morning, we have a gracious God who, as he did in, in the story of redemption for you individually, is pursuing an amazing purpose to work in your life. But that purpose will not be accomplished without adversity. It will be accomplished through adversity. So if God has spoken to your heart this morning, you respond to him. Let's all stand together, God. Please help our response to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Marcus, sing this first verse. If you know it, sing it to the Lord. If God has spoken to you, you come.